0: Mate.
1: Yeah, we will. Do. I'll do that. You we'll just, I'll just... <laughs> Father, I want to bless you for Rob, for Kaz, for the girls, Lord. I want to thank you for Rob's heart, Lord. He's a big bloke and he has a big heart, Lord. Um, but he's no pushover, Father. And I pray, Lord, you bless us through him, Lord, and bless him as he does your work, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank wow. Thank you, Andy.
0: So Am I on, Sean? Am I on? Great, right, I'll let, look at this, amazing service. Ah, there we go, good, the slide jump. So, right. I think I've been at Livingstones, part of the Living Stones family for about 11 years now, and this is the first chance I've had to actually speak at the front properly, and uh, I've been blessed with quite a nasty cough, so if, uh, if I do cough a little bit through, I'm not sure how it's going to sound through the speakers, I hope it doesn't sound like I'm coughing in everybody's ear but Lord willing will get uh, we'll get through this so I uh, I had some. yeah got some here nice cup um, so I need to open with uh, a bit of a confession so I'm quite obsessed with with time and the concept of time so wherever I am wherever Kaz and I are if she asks me the time I can usually get it right to within about three or four minutes I'm thinking about it, and in other ways too. So, I'm 38 years old, so where does that put me in terms of life? Well, you know, God willing, probably about halfway through. Uh, But then again, I can look at it another way and say, well, I've been working for about 16 years, probably got about another 30 years of work left, and in a weird way, I find that quite comforting. I don't know why. I also think about my kids and their ages. So, Olivia's eight and Jessica's six, how long are they gonna to want to come to me and be cuddled and, and held in the way they are at the moment? How long before they start beating me at things rather than me crushing them at chess and monopoly and, and other, other games? How long before Olivia can beat me in a running race? Actually Kaz told me as I was preparing for this she can beat me already, so I'm not so sure about that. And this goes everywhere in my life really. So when I'm at the football and Brighton are, well, it doesn't show here, but Brighton are 2-0 down and I half time I think to myself, you know what? We can get a goal by the 70th minute, get another one before the end, and then I'll force Kaz to watch match of the day later. This, this match in particular, uh, yeah, 4-1 down at 90 minutes. That was a bit grim. We weren't going to come back from that. And this has gone on throughout my life. And before I came to the Lord, it was, it was even more perplexing. So at that point, I wasn't really sure how the world began. Uh, but I was pretty relaxed with the options that were in front of me. Was there a God out there that created the world? Was there a big bang? Whatever, I didn't really know, but I was okay with it. But what did trouble me, however, was the idea of time. And what was time? I mean, surely if there was going to be a big bang, then first there needed to be time within which it could exist. And in my mind, I saw it something like this, like this, this roll of film, like spooling off a projector and going all a bit crazy, and what I didn't know was who put the film on the projector, and thankfully in 2008, 27 years old, I walked through those doors at the back there and I found out, and that was a big moment for me. And then bringing it back to today, Remembrance Sunday, Um, so last year I was really moved when Paul read out the letters from his father that that he sent during the Second World War, and they were full of humour yeah. and insight and incredible courage. And I was delighted that we dedicated oh. enough time in our meeting to listen to Paul read them through and give us just a really small window into, into his father's life and his father's experiences. However, those letters didn't and couldn't convey the sense of time that Paul's father must have experienced. Six years of war. The hours that turned to days, turned to weeks, months and then years, living in, well, as we can see there, incredibly harsh conditions, knowing that every day could be your last one here on earth, seeing sights that thankfully for, I hope, all of us in the room, we just never see unless we watch documentaries on the TV or something like that, and also sitting there as they were in the trenches, not knowing if the outcome was going to be good or bad, and as Andy said, whether we were going to fall under a a totalitarian dictatorship or if we were going to end up where we have, for better or worse, in 2019. But I'm also interested in the concept of time in the Bible, or at least how we relate to it when we read our Bibles. And more specifically, my my point is how we have to be careful not to allow the speed at which we read things to overshadow the actual passage of time that relates to them. So... So I'll give you a few examples. So first, Luke 8, verse 43, we've got the woman who was bleeding for 12 years. Now, as we know, she touched Jesus' cloak as he passed her in a crowd, and she was healed. An amazing miracle for me, one of the, one of the most remarkable miracles in the, in the whole Bible. And I find it incredibly impressive. But let's think again about the woman and what had happened to her in the, in the previous 12 years probably a social outcast, almost certainly highly stigmatised, possibly not even welcomed into the city for 12 long years. That's longer than I've actually even been walking with the Lord because I started my walk 11 years ago. And it takes about 30 seconds to read that in the Bible, maybe slightly longer, and to be impressed, and we should be impressed, but we should also consider that that lady has spent 4,000, more than 4,000 days waiting for that moment. So second, what about Jesus in the wilderness? And the Gospels of Luke and Matthew go into this in a bit more detail than Mark, but they still wrap it up in around 15 verses. 15 verses to cover 40 days in a desolate place, tempted by Satan to show power that Jesus already easily possessed and to rule kingdoms that he already owned. And all of this on an empty stomach as well. As he fasted while he was there, I can't, you know, can't quite uh, conceptualise that myself. And I don't for a moment think that the Gospels underplay the dreadfulness of what Jesus endured. But I do think it's quite hard for us to comprehend 40 days um, living like that. So to put it in a bit of context, it will be like one of us walking out of here today, heading off to the wilderness, coming back just before Christmas, having fasted for those 40 days, probably quite looking forward to Christmas lunch. And then as we take uh, communion today, I'm not sure how this one's going to come out. Oh, not too bad. As we take communion today, how about the Last Supper? We certainly know from the Gospels what the highlights are. The breaking of the bread, pouring of the wine, Jesus revealing that he'll be betrayed, and informing Peter that he's going to deny him three times before the rooster crows. But what we don't know is how long that meal took, or at least I don't know from my uh, research. Maybe there are others who can correct me. But how long did Jesus and the disciples sit there talking and knowing what was going to happen? How would it have felt for Jesus Would time suddenly become really slow as he was waiting to make that ultimate sacrifice and save us all? Or would it actually have passed really quickly like this morning has for me? Um, and it often does when something you're anxious about kind of looms on the horizon. And there are other examples too. <coughs> There are other examples too. I'm um, thinking about the 400 years of silence between the Old and New Testaments. 400 years of, of absolutely nothing. Um, quite a daunting thought to read it, uh, particularly if you're reading in, in order. But then we can just turn a page and get straight into the Gospels. Um, although maybe for God, 400 years is just a turn of the page. So how does this link to today? Well... Here comes my main point, so I'll have a look at the screen. My main point of this is, time is long. There you go, very profound. Um, but it is long, and you need, we need to work out what we do with it. Or, to put it another way, sometimes we go through trials that are extremely long and can't be brushed over in just a few sentences. And I know there are people here today who've been through some really really difficult times often over long periods and there are many who are going through those challenges right now as we sit here and those challenges are in, are in god's hands we believe that but by committing all of those things to god and we will get to a point where we see things work out worked out and we will praise him and ultimately on a long enough timeline as we as we've kind of talked earlier on on a long enough timeline everything's already been all worked out for us the miracle of salvation is already ours. And when we come to the end of our lives on earth, and we truly get to experience that miracle, we spend eternity with our Heavenly Father. But what about the time in between? What about living through long-term illness, financial instability? What about the things in our past that affect who we are today? Difficult relationships... What about the decisions that we wish we hadn't made or had made and how we live with the consequences now? So I'm going to share three kind of thoughts or observations about how we can, how we can work through this. So first, as Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, we need perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and troubles that we're enduring. This is probably a bit more straightforward to say, perhaps when you're not facing any great trial at that particular moment, but it's firm biblical wisdom. As Paul says, he will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled. I find it quite reassuring that God knows what's troubling me and that even if I have to endure it for longer than I might want to, I will be restored. It's very important not to lose sight of that. (coughs) Number two, giving it to God. So, I remember before I walked through that door, I used to do things on my own, and I didn't get very much done. had a life that would probably quite likely have been quite a lot shorter than, than I hope it will be, and it certainly wouldn't have been eternal. So 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3 tells us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions. While Psalm 50 verse 15 says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. The promise is right there. Sadly, for us, what it doesn't say is, I'll deliver you immediately. But the promise is a promise, and by giving it to God, we will be delivered. Miracles, big and small, will happen. And third, share it with others. And I think that I thank the Lord, so I thank the Lord that we're put on this earth to be in relationship with Him and with each other. We're not robots, we're not automatons. We're individuals in the sense that we've got our own personalities and consciences, but we're also beings that seek relationship and community with each other. Galatians 6, verse 2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfil the law of Christ. Note there's no time limit there. And Proverbs 17, verse 17, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born out of Adversity. And I think it's worth remembering that Jesus didn't just perform miracles in private rooms, just one-to-one. He performed them in front of people um, so that people could be edified and encouraged and enriched by the glory of what they'd just seen. And thinking closer to home, we've got mechanisms within, you know, within our very church that can support brothers and sisters at difficult times. So we've got we have prayer triplets, life groups, and we've got a pastoral team as well and members of that here today. And everything's by God's power and through his grace. But there are people among us who are a particular calling to support others. And I would really encourage people to ensure that they're using that matrix of support when they need it.
1: <coughs>
0: and then finally, bring it back to today. So as I said, we know that the biggest miracle, the ultimate sacrifice has already gone before us jesus took our sin on his shoulders the nails that were driven into his hands and his feet were propelled by our sins and our misdeeds but the blood that poured out atoned for that and at the end of all our lives we will experience the reward of that ultimate miracle that ultimate sacrifice and we'll see him face to face and that's exciting but none of us knows when that will be But we know that this is a small step towards eternal life that we'll have in heaven. So today, as we come to the table and afterwards, I'd like us just to take some time to reflect and consider the challenges that we're facing in our own lives. And I don't know what those challenges are, whether they're brand new things that have sprung up today, this week, over the weekend, that people are just still getting their heads around, or if they're challenges that people have been living with for years, possibly decades, and that they're living uh, in hope of a miraculous intervention for. But what I do know is that God knows, and just as he knows every hair on our heads and he knows every, every water molecule in the, in the sea, he knows all the worries that are in our hearts. So if you haven't yet been able to give it to God, my prayer for you today is that you'll be able to take a step in that direction and if you do want to pray with someone who's close to you, please do take the time to, to do that today. It's all in his hands. as we. It's my life, your life, and as we sang earlier, time itself is in his hands. So I'm going to ask Joe and Jess and Mark and Denise to uh, come forward and help us to serve a gluten-free bread, maybe... Not, no, no gluten-free bed today. How we'll we deal with that. We might have to work that through. But what we do have is grape juice. So please just indicate the situation. <coughs> Excuse me. So now we've got the opportunity to come to the communion table. And as I said earlier, I certainly don't know or couldn't find how long the disciples sat there trying to comprehend what Jesus had told them. Maybe hoping that Somehow things weren't going to play out quite in the way that they did. But at some point in the meal, he did take the bread. He gave thanks and he broke it. Something like this. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out. So now I hope that Sean's got some nice gentle background music that we can have. I'll ask Denise and Mark and Joe and Jess to come forward. Mm-hmm. Here
2: Like so she took her love for. Bless you. We'll never know. There have been songs
1: As um, Rob led us, one of the verses he brought was from Psalm 50, uh, verse 15. But if we go back one verse, it says, Sacrifice, thank offerings to God, fulfill your vows to the Most High, and call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will honor me. Rob also mentioned that there's people here from the pastoral team, um, and if anybody would like to be prayed with, um, to actually call upon the name of the Lord in the day of trouble, um, it says, he shall deliver you and you shall honour him. Um, so that is available. If anybody would like to be prayed for at some point, please put your hand up or go and... Who's from pastoral teams here? If you just have a quick, have, have a quick look round... If you'd like to go to any one of those and um, they'd be more than happy to pray with you. Thank you.